What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. I'm here with Rob Stats Guerrero. Rohan's supposed to be here. I'm sure he'll show up here in just a minute. we got a good show today. I uh, wanted to talk to Rob about whether the 49ers are rejuvenated with the addition of Chase Young. We're going to talk about the draft, give our grades on the last draft, all that good stuff. In about 20 seconds, let me go ahead and run the intro and we'll dive into it. You're down. You're down. Right to the right place. What's going on, everybody? There he is. He tapped in right on time, right during the intro. Nice to see you, Rohan. What's up, Stats? Thanks for both of you guys being here today. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. fun three-person show. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to be doing this today, and then tomorrow i got Coach and Vish on tomorrow. We're going to be doing the same thing. Uh, it's nice, a little change of pace. Good to have both you guys on. Wanted to talk to you, obviously. You know, Normally, we start off with a positive vibe. I'll do that at the end because Rob has to dip out here in about 30 minutes, so... Wanted to dive in quickly and get Rob's take on a couple things and as well as Rohan's. Uh, the first one, obviously, the big glaring news. Are the 49ers going to be rejuvenated with the addition of Chase Young, Rob? I don't think that alone is going to be enough. I really think the biggest problem for the 49ers is on the opposite side of the ball. I think it's the running game. Everything with this offense is a function of the running game. When they can't run, they can't do play action, their straight drop back passing game is not that great. So to me, if you fix the running game, you'll fix everything. The offense will play better. You'll possess the ball longer. The defense will be on the field for fewer plays. They'll have more energy and be more effective when they are on the field. Kyle Shanahan just talked about how beat up and tired they looked. Part of that's because the offense can't move the damn ball consistently enough. So to me, you fix the running game, and there's a domino effect throughout the rest of the team. Ro, what's your take on that, brother? Rob is spot on. Spoke about this yesterday. Where it goes, it starts with the run game. And coincidentally, where do you look? You look to the injuries of Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, particularly Trent Williams. This goes back, spirals to the offseason decision when the 49ers decided not to improve their offensive line depth, trying to get another tackle. Because if you get a competent tackle there, you're able to at least have a functional running game. Mind you, CMC is also injured, so you're hoping the bye week provides you some juice in that area. But Shanahan said it himself. He thought he went away from the run a little too much in the last week. And part of that is because of the the pace of the game but a part of that is also probably not having as much trust in your offensive line to get things done and so right now i think the 49ers need to re uh, evaluate and find their identity which starts with running the football and that in a way will take away some of the little mistakes that the 49ers have compiled over the last few weeks that have not allowed them to score you've got problems defensively but it also comes down to you're not scoring enough and right now they've scored only 17 in the last three weeks I like that both of you guys took it to the offensive side because we, we're seeing a lot of blame for Wilkes, uh, particularly and the defense. And I think the Wilkes stuff is also a little overblown as well. I think it, uh, the players are responsible for some of the struggles on defense. As far as Chase Young is concerned, I think it's a great value, uh, obviously. I think for a third-round draft pick that you might even get back if he leaves for free agency, for a player like Chase Young who has five sacks, which would be leading the 49ers right now, I think it's a no-brainer that you go ahead and do that whether or not it's going to make a difference for this team uh, on the level that we hope, I don't know. I think corner was the biggest need. We didn't get that. We'll see what happens. Maybe Womack Luter will step up and and, and play a role 
Uh, but overall, I think you guys are right. I think most of the struggles are really – well, I, I think there's struggles on defense, but I think what you guys are talking about in regards to the offense is a big is a big part of this. Um, are, are you okay with the pick, though, uh, Rob, overall uh, trading a third for Chase Young? Yes, to me, this is a no-brainer. First of all, 49ers third-round picks are useless. If we're, Other than Fred Warner, I feel like they can't buy a good pick in the third round, so there's that, number one. Number two, it's a comp pick, so it's at the end of the third round. Number three, like you said, they can get it back if he leaves in free agency. The risk-reward here, the Niners have way much more to gain than they do by giving up the third-round comp pick and the fact that they're paying them like half a million dollars this year. To me, this was all upside, no downside for San Francisco. Yeah, agreed. I think I think it, it it's like a no, like you said, it's a no-brainer. It's a good move. I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, Darrell Luter, Samuel Womack? It looks like they're going to be opening up their practice when they're coming back off injury. Do you think they can play a, a role, take Isaiah Oliver's place? Now, I do think Isaiah Oliver, not a lot of people talk about it, but he's actually doing a fantastic job against a run in tackling. I know he's been getting beat bad in pass coverage, but do you think there's a chance Womack or Luter or somebody steps in and takes Oliver's place, Rohan? Vish and I talked about this yesterday. He disagreed. My hot take was that if anybody in the cornerback room was to break out and potentially see the field, it was going to be Darrell Luter. Now, he's a fifth-round pick. He's injured. He hasn't seen the field at all for the 49ers. But my reasoning is he was a Steve Wilkes guy. He's a guy who's he fits the mold of a press man corner at 6'1". He's got better size than Samuel Womack. And it seems like the organization likes him a little more at the moment. I just I don't know if they're high on Samuel Womack. It just seems like right now they view him as a perennial backup. Ambry Thomas seems out of the cards after his um, early season blunders as well. So if anybody were to break into the lineup, to me it would be Darrell Luter after not moving for a corner. However, like I said, I don't know how realistic that is, just given the fact that he is a rookie corner coming off an injury. So wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers continue to roll with their three, but also, you might make Diamond Lenore more comfortable moving him to the slot and then having Luter there on the outside. What do you think, Rob? I think that I agree with Ro. Like, after he was drafted, uh, after Darrell Luter was drafted, Adam Peters had a quote that really jumped out to me. He said, we don't think we're going to have to bring him along. Like, we think he's ready to contribute immediately, which is not something you hear the 49ers talk about with their draft picks. Usually they have to almost redshirt for a year before they're ready to contribute. The mm -hmm. fact that Adam Peters would say that right out of the gate about a fifth round pick to yeah. me, I agree with what you said, Rohan, like clearly Steve Wilkes likes him and they wanted to give him a shot in there. And look, we don't need whoever it is, whether it's looter or Womack, we don't need that person to be an all pro, just be a league average corner. Just don't allow a 100% completion percentage <laughs> like Isaiah Oliver has. And that's not even an exaggeration. The last four weeks, he's given up 100% completions. It's the same completion rate I would give up if I were playing slot corner for the 49ers. Just be average, and the defense will be so much better. Yeah, you know what's also uh, a guy that I thought we would see more of this year that we haven't seen much at all, at all, honestly, I can't recall seeing him play, is Jair Brown. Uh, I, I thought he was going to play a bigger role this year than he has. I thought he would get in for some downs or something. Obviously, he's not a cover type safety where he's going to be, you know, you can insert him at the nickel, but I thought maybe on rundowns they might try it. What's up with uh, Jair Brown, man? Do you think we see him this year at all? Rob, you can go first. 
I have no idea. He's a ghost. Like I was thinking that he maybe he had a chance to start after he was drafted. The way everybody said about him and the way the Niners talked about him. And you're right, Ryan. Like, has he played this year? I legitimately don't know the answer. Has he ever even been on the field? I don't even know what number he wears. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen him. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I, I alluded to this a little bit in the preseason. I didn't think the 49ers had the personnel as much to run three safety sets as they did in the past with Jimmy Ward, who had flexibility to move the nickel. I just don't know if Deshaun Gibson or Jair Brown is the big nickel that you want to consistently be there in the nickel to potentially elude some of the 49ers or alleviate some of the 49ers nickel issues. And so that's where I don't think you see as many three safety sets, but I still think you can find ways to put Jair Brown on the field. I do think that there are possibilities. You haven't seen him. And so potentially that leads to some behind this behind the scenes things where maybe he's not developing at the rate the 49ers want him to develop at to put him on the field. Those are speculation. We don't really know, but the fact of the matter is he's not on the field at the moment. And that's where I think I'll go to in that. I just don't think the personnel is as good for three safety sets as it's been in the past. All right. Speaking of the defensive woes, you know, Steve Wilkes has gotten a lot of heat um, in regards to basically everyone blaming everything on Steve Wilkes. Uh, I have my own take on that, but I want to get your take, Rob. Do you think Wilkes is the problem on defense? Speaking of defense specifically, not the whole team's issues, not the struggles on offense, but just on the defense, do you think Steve Wilkes is the major problem here? Uh, I think it's a big part of it, yeah. And and the little exchange he had with Grant Cohen really kind of opened my eyes. The fact that he told Grant that he's still learning the the defense while he's trying to call the defense. And he's still watching tape of Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. It's really hard to change the tires on a moving car. And that's essentially what Steve Wilkes is trying to do. And how are you going to coach guys and come up with a game plan for guys when people like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are sitting there saying, I know this defense better than you. Why shouldn't I be the one to come up with the game plan? So I think there's one Wilkes is still trying to learn this scheme. And two, I don't know if there's necessarily buy-in and confidence from everybody on this team that what Steve Wilkes is drawing up is going to actually work. Yeah, yeah, I think that is definitely... I, I reported on my channel that I heard from a source that the 49er players and John Lynch are not sold or not bought in to Steve Wilkes. And I think you see it playing out. I do think there are some there's some truth to Steve Wilkes and what we're seeing from his play calling is causing problems. And I don't think the 49ers players are bought into it. And I think that's also causing problems. But I am also seeing a lot of missed tackles, uh, just a lot of slow play. So I understand, like, giving some of that blame to Steve Wilkes. I think that makes sense. And there's maybe some fairness to that. But it's also on these players have to step up. I don't understand what they're – these don't look like the same players. Hufanga, for example, missing tackles left and right, like giving up third down plays just by bad tackling. So I don't – I don't know if I can just give all the blame to Steve Wilkes. A lot of these players just need to really step up. They're, they're letting, for example, Nick Bosa, uh, letting Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrows escape the pocket like they're Mike Vick or something constantly, <laughs> game after game. I, I just can't put it all on Steve Wilkes. Rohan, what, what is your take on it, man? No, I agree. I think, um, like Rob said, Steve Wilkes is a big problem. But I also don't think he's he's far from the only problem defensively. Execution is another aspect of it. You talk about missed tackles. I think that's another thing. The one other aspect I think is the run game. I don't think the run 
when you talk about play calling, I don't think that has much to do with the run game and the woos that the 49ers are seeing there. It's either missed tackles or missed run fits. You're seeing kind of a trickle down effect. It's not only one player that's playing kind of poorly. It's you talk about missed tackles from Hufanga, but also the linebacker play hasn't been to what you've expected. And it's a it's a high bar, but what you expect from the 49ers. Dre Greenlaw looked banged up. Fred Warner, uh, maybe not as big of an impact as he did in, in, in the first few weeks this past week. Nick Bosa, not as big of an impact, although he did have a good amount of plays as a pass rusher. And then you, you talk about the rest of the defensive line. Eric Armstead had two sacks, but... Where's the rest of the defensive line? Javon Hargrave has not been there, uh, you know, being as big of a as an impact as he was early on. You, you really start not to, seeing him not really fill up the stat sheet at all anymore. And so that's and another part where you're talking about these, you know, if, if teams are doubling Bosa or if teams are doubling Hargrave, you want somebody else to get in there. But unfortunately, the 49ers just haven't seen the production as much from their, their defense. You hope that changes coming out of the bye Part of it is playing, putting players in a better position. Steve Wilkes knows that, and hopefully that happens. Part of it is also execution. And in the run game, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you know, the, Nick Bosa came out in a press conference talking about we need to rush four. We're a rush four team, basically. Basically throwing Wilkes under the bus. And then what I noticed last game, that's pretty much what they did. They went and just rushed four. They didn't do all these uh, extra blitzes that he was doing in previous games. And what happened? They gave up 31 points. So although I understand that Wilkes has some a learning curve here and he's probably, you know, he definitely called some bad plays, at least that one at the end of the half against the, uh, who was it, the Vikings, that was awful. Um, so obviously he gets um, the negative credit there. But in general, the 49ers are doing a horrible job in tackling. I think they're, I forget where they're ranked, but they're towards the bottom, not like the 49ers as far as like giving up yards after the initial contact. They're just not tackling like, the team that we're used to seeing and i don't know where that comes from because obviously they have the talent um I, i'm gonna move through these topics quickly because rob's gonna dip out in about 10 minutes and then rohan and i will dive in deeper on these ones so let's keep it pushing i wanted to ask you about the draft you guys um the draft from last year so the niners drafted drake jackson in the second uh tdp in the third danny gray in the third spencer burford in the fourth sam womack in the fifth Nick Zakelj, Kalia Davis, uh, Tariq Castro-Fields, who? And Brock Purdy um, last year. I know it's pretty premature to, uh, to judge a draft. I usually take two or three years before I can do a good job at that. But it's been a year and a half. What do you guys think of last year's draft? What group give it? D minus. I mean, the only reason it's not an F is because of Brock Purdy. And look, you can say it's too soon to judge. Drake Jackson has done almost nothing. Ty Davis Price can't even be active, okay? Danny Gray has played 13 games, I think, in his whole career. Spencer Burford is a starter. Yeah, but is he a good starter? And the rest of the contributions, Nick Sakel, Kalia Davis, Tariq Castro-Fields, these guys are on a milk carton. Like, contributed zero. Not like not enough or no, literally zero. So I don't know how you can give it a higher grade than that. I know Brock Purdy is on there. But that's the only reason it's not an F. He's lifting everybody else up. Yeah. What, by the way, I'm gonna let Rohan answer this too. But where the hell is Tariq Castrofield? Is he on the practice squad? Nah, he's in Washington. He got cut last year and he got claimed. He's in Washington. I, I, I was wondering what the hell because people were excited about him last year and I haven't heard of him. Yeah, I didn't even realize that he's not on the team. Rohan, what's your overall grade for this? For that? Yeah, I'm gonna go a little higher here. I'm gonna go with the C. 
the sole reason though, it's the reasoning's the same. It's just I, I believe the quarterback position is a little more important. So I'm gonna give Purdy uplifting it a little bit of a C. But in my in my retrospect, I might be a little bit too lenient because when you talk about the last two drafts specifically, this is where the 49ers are entering the territory where they're paying players at a premium. And what does that mean? You need to hit on these draft picks. Hell, John Lynch said it in this past press conference that the reason they're holding on to some of these picks is because they need a hit on them because of the way that they have top-heavy salaries. And right now, the 49ers aren't hitting on these draft picks. You talk about the players Rob just mentioned. Drake Jackson, well, guess what? They just they just traded for his replacement in Chase Young. Drake Jackson, mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if he's inactive because he's not good against the run. Tyron Davis-Price, well, he's inactive already. Danny Gray, he's injured, but he could be an inactive. Spencer Burford, he's a starter, but he hasn't played well this year. He probably shouldn't be starting, but the 49ers don't have another option. You talk about Samuel Womack, he hasn't been there, he's been injured, or he hasn't really played much. Nick Sakel, I mean, he was close to being a cut candidate this year. You talk about Kalia Davis, he, I mean, he's an intriguing guy, but he just hasn't played. Tariq Castro-Fields was cut before he even played a game with the 49ers, so this is a pretty, pretty darn bad class for the Niners. If we talk about it, the only guy who's lifting it up right now is their quarterback. Yeah, Rob's pretty harsh on this one, and it's nice to see. I love Rob's energy with that. I think I would give him a C-plus probably because of Brock Purdy. Uh, he's a starting quarterback on the 49ers, probably a top 15 quarterback right now is what he's looking like. Uh, I would definitely say that that raises this draft. I do believe uh, that Drake Jackson is better than he's shown so far. So I like Drake Jackson. Spencer Burford is a starting guard, so I, he's not great, but he's not awful. So that's I give him points for that. And I actually really uh, believe in Sam Womack. So I'll give him a C plus. But overall, I understand what you guys are saying in regards to like Castro Fields, Kalia Davis, Nick Sakelge, um, TDP uh, also. And you know what's crazy? TDP actually looked pretty damn good in the preseason, but he can't get, we, you know, we're still begging to see Jordan Maiden, Mason get some play, let alone TDP, man. But I, from what I saw from TDP, he actually looked decent. Uh, mm -hmm. It's weird. Why is Kyle not, not willing to give any looks to these running backs, Rob? I don't know. Even he always just sticks with like the bell cow, whoever it is. He won't even give Jordan Mason like three carries in a game, let alone let TDP actually be active and play. It's really weird because, I, I think that they've got something there with Mason. I think TDP could be, you know, a decent running back, especially in this system. But it's frustrating because we've seen what this offense is when the running game doesn't function. And we've seen what this offense is when Christian McCaffrey is not at 100%. They've scored 17 points the last three weeks. So use the assets that you have. Use the running backs on the roster. Keep McCaffrey fresh. And, you know, it'll benefit everybody. And I, I kind of like what they did against Cincinnati where they had CMC and Elijah Mitchell on the field at the same time because you can move CMC around, put him in the slot, whatever, and still have a threat of a run game with, with Mitchell in there. So maybe Kyle's trying to do that more. Maybe that is an adjustment he's made, and I hope so because you can't just run Christian Ragged. You just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I'm – I don't understand. I feel like during the Super Bowl year, 20, what, 19 – the 49ers use more of a running back by committee uh, attack with their running backs. This this last year and a half or whatever, or actually longer than that, Kyle's not done that at all. He's just one guy tries to make him a bell cow. And it's crazy to me because I really think not only does it benefit Christian McCaffrey and his long-term health, 
But I think the 49ers are actually better when Jordan Mason runs the ball. He's probably the best runner of the football between the tackles on the team. Better than Christian McCaffrey. I really believe that. I think the 49ers would be better off approaching it that way. I do have a take I want to get from you guys. Um, it's before Robin. And again, me and Rohan will dive in deeper after he leaves. But I'm, I'm throwing up two numbers on the screen here. Uh, two different quarterbacks. This is their stats per game. I want you guys to tell me which one is the real deal and which one was just cut, cut by the race, benched by the Raiders and just looks absolutely awful. One of these guys is Brock Purdy. One of these is Jimmy G in the 2019 season. Both of these statistics you're seeing right near here, they come off of nine games with the 49ers. So both quarterbacks played nine games with the 49ers, got injured, had surgery, came back, and then these are their per-game stats after that. One of them is Jimmy 2019. One of them is Brock Purdy right now, which is which? I'll say Jimmy is the first one. I was going to go with actually Jimmy probably being the second one. Um, I think Purdy's int rate might have been higher, um, although I'm not sure. So Rob's right. The first one is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the second one is Brock Purdy this year so far. What does this mean to you? When you look at these numbers, they're almost identical. You're talking six yards difference per game. Uh, Jimmy had a little bit more touchdowns per game and a little bit more interceptions per game. Uh, if you put this on a 16-game schedule, uh, Jimmy threw three more touchdowns and um, three more interceptions and about, about 87 yards different over 16 games. This is what Brock Purdy's done so far this season versus what Jimmy did in 2019 now they went to the super bowl in 2019 but jimmy's also the guy that was just benched by the raiders what does this make you feel in regards to brock purdy the fact that his stats are almost identical to jimmy garoppolo's rob i'll let you go i think it says that the 49ers still have a limited quarterback maybe limited in different ways than jimmy garoppolo which by the way Shout out Jimmy Garoppolo. Happy birthday today. The Raiders just put out a happy birthday Jimmy Garoppolo tweet, which is hysterical be because they just benched him. But I think it says that the 49ers still have a limited quarterback, that, that Kyle recognizes the strengths and weaknesses of his guy, and he does things to maximize them. And the only real difference is that Brock is more mobile. Brock did an awesome job against Cincinnati of attacking the line of scrimmage and using his legs when things weren't there. And that wasn't part of the, the numbers that you posted. That's the real difference to me. Other than that, they're kind of the same guy. And I know 49er fans are going to come for me for that. But at least from a passing standpoint, the numbers sort of bear that out. Yeah, I think they're different quarterbacks, right? Like like you said, Brock's more mobile. Brock's more willing to throw downfield. He's not as doesn't have as good arm talent as as Jimmy Garoppolo throwing downfield. I th actually think Jimmy's more accurate on that first read. When that first read's open, Jimmy was one of the best quarterbacks that Kyle's had. Honestly, that if that first read's accurate on a short throw, Jimmy's money. After that first read, he's a disaster. <laughs> I like Brock Purdy better after that first read if it's not open. Um, but the production is the same. The production is almost identical here. Um, now, there's two ways to look at this. Jimmy is, in my opinion, trash. <laughs> he was just benched by the Raiders. He, Josh McDaniels lost his job for bringing Jimmy Garoppolo in over Derek Carr, which was stupid from the get-go. But there's another way to look at this. 49ers went to the Super Bowl that year. And those little things that make Brock Purdy, in my opinion, better than Jimmy might be enough to get him over the hump. Which way do you look at this, Rohan? What does this mean to you? Yeah, I think that I do 
give Brock Purdy a little more benefit of the doubt than Jimmy Garoppolo, just because I think he provides a couple of extra factors, like you pointed out, to the team. Now, I don't know if that's enough. The The bridge is enough for the 49ers to ultimately get over the hump and win a Super Bowl, which is why at the beginning of the season, I said, I don't think the 49ers will win a chip in 23 with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I just don't know what the the margin of error is going to be at the quarterback position for them to ultimately win it through. That's the big question. It's not whether Brock Purdy is better than Garoppolo, because right now Jimmy Garoppolo is not a starter in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be a starter anymore in the NFL, given his injury history and his age. That's unfortunate. But Brock Purdy right now is, a, like you said, at the beginning, potentially a top 15 option in the NFL. And so I do think that he's better and he provides more. He provides more from a processing standpoint. He provides more from a physical standpoint, and he provides more in terms of being able to do what Kyle Shanahan wants a little more at the quarterback position. But the question is, is that enough? Right now, we don't know. My unfortunate answer for this season is no. Mm. Rob, anything else to add to that before we get you out of here? No, I agree with Rohan. And I I don't think the 49ers quarterback issues are solved by any stretch of the imagination. I think Kirk Cousins is very much still on the table for 2024 as he has been sort of looming over this franchise. I, I think that the questions at quarterback are going to continue for the 49ers because I think, you know, Brock is probably going to be what he's shown, you know, good at times, rookie, you know, essentially still a rookie quarterback at times. And, the Niners are still going to, I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to be there. He's there. And we know how Kyle feels about him. And if you could have Kirk and Brock, maybe that's really what Kyle wants for 2024. So we are not out of the woods with quarterback questions. Sorry, George Kittle. <laughs> yeah, I very much think that Kirk Cousins is on the table. Unless Brock pretty just balls out this year, um, like just finishes on a really, really high note. I think Kirk Cousins is definitely on the table. Rob, go ahead and uh, tell everyone who doesn't, follow you for some reason i'm sure most people do but if they don't follow you or subscribe to your channel we go ahead and plug that for us sure so i'm on all the socials at stats on fire follow me everywhere and uh, if you want some additional 49ers coverage uh follow us the gold standard podcast network just search gold standard 49ers and youtube or everywhere will pop right up give us a like and a follow uh, we really appreciate it yes sir rob thank you for being here uh, i'm gonna run this commercial we will be back with um, just myself and rohan not just myself and Rohan. That's kind of, you know, undercutting our abilities here. But we'll be back with Rohan and myself. Give us about 20 seconds. Thanks, Rob. What's going on, guys? This is Ryan Hensley, man. Just want to remind you that I am a real estate broker and mortgage lender in the state of California. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home anytime soon, please reach out. If you go to the details in the description, you can schedule an appointment with me by clicking on the link. I would love to help you and your family. Please reach out. Now back to the show. That what a great commercial. What a fantastic commercial that was, Rohan. But all right, we're back. Rohan and I, man, good to have you, brother. Um, we kind of just skimmed through a lot of issues because Rob had to dip out early. I wanted to get his takes, didn't have time to do our positive vibes. I'm gonna do that real quick, and then we're gonna dive back into uh some of the things that we were talking about. Positive vibe today, my guy Rohan. Just four things to not ever focus on. Don't focus on yesterday. Don't focus on tomorrow. Don't focus on things you don't have or things you can't control. If you really dial in and focus on everything that is taking place today and none of the things I just mentioned, you will be dialed in and focused on the correct things. We like to do positive vibes every morning. We usually start the show off that way, but couldn't do it today. 
Wanted to make sure I got it in because I think it's important. Also, my uh, sponsors real quick. The Ryan G. Hensley Show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code Hensley for, it says $100 here. It's still $500. If you deposit up to $500, they will match up to $500, which is a significant amount of cash. It's a lot. Uh, it's a temporary special. If you guys do sport uh, bet on sports, uh, now is a good time to, to do it. Go to Underdog Fantasy. Details in the description. Uh, use promo code Hensley. Also, Blue Water Credit is a sponsor of the channel. If you need your credit fix, they're a really good credit company. Uh, reach out to Blue Water Credit. Uh, details in the description. Fill out the form. They will run your credit, give you a free evaluation. Tell them Ryan G. Hensley sent you. Uh, and then they'll let you know, hey, this is what we can do for you. This is how much it's going to cost. They're a fantastic company I've used for my real estate business for over a decade. So reach out to Blue Water Credit. Also, as you just saw, Hensley Real Estate Mortgage. That's my real estate business. And Hensley Solar. If you want to get solar on your house, you can send me um, send send a, your most recent power bill to my email address, and I'll get you a quote right away. All the details for all this stuff is in uh, the description. Make sure you are liked this video, that you're subscribed to my channel as well as Rohan's channel. And I appreciate all you guys being here. Thanks so much. Didn't really run the show like I normally do because I wanted to get Rob involved before we had to dip out and didn't want to go through all this stuff in the beginning. But now it's just you and I, sure. Got, got a question for you, man. What's the most likely outcome for Brock Purdy? We just talked about his statistics and how they compared to Jimmy G's 2019 year. We've seen Brock Purdy do really well the first five games, struggle in the last three games. And not the whole game, honestly. He struggled the whole entire Browns game. That was a really good defense against the Vikings and the Bengals. He actually had really good moments, but at the end when it mattered most, he kind of folded. What do you think that yeah. means for Brock Purdy moving forward throughout the rest of the season? I think Brock Purdy's a guy who's still trying to prove, not that he can be the guy for the 49ers, but that he can be a guy in the NFL who can carry his team when they need to. In consecutive weeks, the 49ers have provided Brock Purdy with an opportunity to carry this team. And in a way, with the injuries to Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, Brock Purdy got an opportunity to prove, can you be the guy that uplifts the team from the quarterback position rather than be the guy you know behind the scheme, behind the talented players, and things like that? In the first opportunity he got against the Cleveland Browns, that was arguably his most choppy one. Yet, that was the one where he put the team into field goal range. You know, he overcame a near interception on that first play where it was dropped. He comes back and then he leads them into field goal range where the 49ers ultimately miss a field goal. In the last game against, or in the second game against Minnesota, he drives well twice and then throws consecutive interceptions on back-to-back -back drives before ending that one with the fumble. And then obviously, or sorry, not the fumble, but, you know, the two interceptions on that one, that sealed the game. And then the third game against Cincinnati, you saw him actually play very well in the first half. But then again, when it comes to the moment where you need the team or you need to carry the team on your back, unfortunately, in the second half, Purdy did not have a good game, probably one of his worst halves of the season after one of his best halves of the season. So that's the thing. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. He he can operate this system, and we've seen him play very good halves of football. But at the moment, he's still trying to prove that he can be the guy to carry the team when the team needs him at the end of games. Yeah, you know, the 49ers are 5-3. and three. Um, Brock Purdy's in his second year. 
he's had about what is it 16 games under his belt he's not a rookie anymore so i'm not going to um call him that anymore he's he's a sophomore quarterback so no more excuses in in that regards he is still young though he is 23 i'll give him that um so it's a possibility he improves but what i think we've seen from brock purdy is his best and his worst um now it doesn't mean he won't have an amazing game better than we've ever seen before or that he won't have another disastrous game in the future but i think in general we've seen the best and the worst from brock purdy and he's an average of the two I think that's, you know, realistic. I don't think he's a elite quarterback, and maybe he'll become one. Um, he is, again, super young dude. Um, but I think he's more of like a high-mid-level quarterback. He's like a, you know, 10 to 15 type quarterback is where I see him. Not, not really 10, honestly. More like 12 to 15 in that range is where I kind of see Brock. And I think he's just kind of an average of the sums that we've seen from him. Now, it's probably enough on this team when everything's clicking on all cylinders, right? When the run game is, is going well uh, and the defense is playing fantastic, it's going to be enough, just like it was enough for Jimmy, who I never had past top 15. I think he, I think with Jimmy, he was like, for me, he was somewhere between like 20 and 25 most of the time, honestly. Um, but they were able to get to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think Brock is an improvement. Again, I like his elusiveness in the pocket. I love his ability to scramble. I like that he's not scared to take shots, even though his arm strength may not be the best. He does look downfield. He does create off script. Uh, all those things are better to me for Brock Purdy. He's also better after the first read's not open, going through his progressions, not getting nervous in the pocket. All those are improvements over Jimmy Garoppolo, regardless of whether the production is similar or not. Um, so I think that's good. He's better than Jimmy to me. He always has been. I've always said that. Um, it may be enough for this 49ers team to go really far and possibly, possibly win a Super Bowl. But in order for that to happen, everything else is going to be have to be clicking on all cylinders. Like I said, run game is going to be have to be be there. Kyle's going to have to be in his bag. Right now, he's not really in his bag. We, and we should talk about that a little bit also. Um, and the defense is going to have to be playing. But like I brought up Kyle, man, and, and him not being in his bag. Everything seems very vanilla seems to be lacking creativity, seems to be CMC dependent. What are you seeing from, from Kyle Shanahan right now, man, in his play calling? At the moment, I'm just seeing him not trust his team. Maybe not trust his quarterback as well, but more importantly, not trust his team. What do I mean by that? If you look at the Bengals game, the 49ers ran the ball 23 times and threw 31 times. Sure, that doesn't seem that bad. But Christian McCaffrey had just 12 carries. Brock Purdy led the team with six uh six carries and they were all scrambles he led the team with 57 yards the 49ers went away from the run game and maybe it was because Christian McCaffrey was injured but if so the 49ers have competent backups in Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason only gave Mitchell three carries he was inefficient in those with two yards total and no carries to Jordan Mason instead the other two went to Kyle Juszczyk you know you look at the game before that, Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries for 45 yards. The run game was not working that well against Minnesota. And I think this is what teams are starting to do. You're starting to see slight adjustments. It's going to be more attentiveness towards the run to try and stop that element for the 49ers, which means you're going to dare the 49ers to pass the ball. Additionally, something my guy Marco Martinez pointed out, what teams are now doing is they're dropping their linebackers in coverage a little deeper in their zones. So what does that do? That 10 to 19 range that Brock Purdy likes to throw out of, it becomes a little more difficult when the linebackers are stationed around that 10-yard line. Instead, 
forcing you to try and go for the underneath stuff, it makes it tougher for Brock Purdy hit to hit his bread and butter and get in a groove. And so you're seeing slight adjustments from the defense, but more importantly on the Kyle Shanahan aspect, I just think he doesn't trust his team right now without Trent Williams because you don't see him implement the same amount of running, uh, the same amount in the run game. You're seeing him try and rely a little more in the passing game, and that's making the 49ers one-dimensional. And that's unfortunately a team that can be beat, the 49ers being one-dimensional, because that makes them it makes uh, puts even more pressure on them to be perfect. And right now, they're not perfect at all with their execution, and that leads to just 17 points in the last three games. I think the answers are there. I definitely think what the 49ers have offensively is fixable, and I also think Kyle Shanahan has done a good job in certain games with his play calling, and unfortunately, the result hasn't been there with execution. However, Kyle Shanahan acknowledged it himself. He needs to get back to the run game. He needs to get back to his identity. And I think that starts after the bye week when Trent Williams is back. Yeah, I think there's part of part of that could be Trent Williams. That makes sense, especially in the run game. Um, also, Debo being out. I don't know if I buy the Debo one that much, honestly. Debo, Same. Yeah. Debo, Debo hasn't been that great. I know a lot of people are throwing out the statistic. Like, I think, let me see Pete threw it out here. Uh, with Debo, he's averaging 30 points a game. Yeah, he was averaging 30 points a game up until three weeks ago, but Debo's not the difference maker, in my opinion. He's actually had a really bad showing. Since he resigned with the 49ers, Debo has not played very well in general. I think he's kind of been, I don't know, fifth most important person I on will, the offense. Real quick, I will say one thing on Debo. While I don't think he's been as effective, and I like your point, and I'm going to uh, want to hear what you have to say about him since he resigned. I do think Kyle Shanahan still has a high affinity for utilizing Debo Samuel. It might not be as effective, but it's pretty clear that Kyle Shanahan prioritizes Christian McCaffrey in the game plan, and then he goes to Debo Samuel. Spoke with Vish about this. It seems like even over Brandon Ayuk at times, Shanahan likes to utilize Debo Samuel in the different ways because it allows him to be creative. And so that might, you know, when we talk about the lack of creativity from Shanahan, perhaps a part of that is lacking because he likes to use those creative plays when Debo Samuel's in the fold. But I want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, I just don't know if I say, oh, well, because Debo's here now, that's why Brock Purdy's struggling. I I mean, God, man, the 49ers have – if you take Debo out of the picture and you look at who do they have, they have George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, CMC. I mean, they have a plethora of weapons that most teams in the NFL don't have. I mean, how many do we really freaking need to be effective? So you're telling me we got to have CMC. we got to have George Kittle. we got to have Brandon Knight, And we got to have Debo to be effective as an offense. I just – I'm not buying it. I don't think that's a good excuse. I think a lot of this is is Kyle. A lot of this is defenses have tape on Brock Purdy now, right? You You've heard this before, and I believe it to be true, that when you have a young rookie quarterback – initially they do their thing defenses get tape on them and defenses start you know scheming against what their strengths are and then you have to see whether that quarterback whether that offensive player caller can overcome those things now that they've seen what defenses how defenses are going to respond they have to adjust and see if they can overcome and i think that's what we're seeing right now from brock purdy defenses are understanding how to defend brock purdy in this 49ers offense and now it's up to kyle shannon and brock purdy to respond and show them hey we can we can't we can just we can do other things besides that we can do if you guys want to play us that way we can do other things and i think that's what we need to see from these guys right now i, I i'm trying to remember where i heard it row but somebody 
there was somebody I'm trying to think of who it was. I can't remember, but they said they know how to bait Brock Purdy. I forget what, who it was. It was, I think it was either a current or former NFL player went on the record and say, you know, teams are figuring out how to bait Brock Purdy. And that's why you're seeing these interceptions come up. Have you heard anything about that? Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know who you're talking about, but, um, I mean, there are certain players who are not players, but certain people who are now, you know, with with film on Brock Purdy, they're saying how trying to figure out his tendencies and making him a little more predictable in that way, trying to bait him because, like you said, he has a willingness to throw certain passes, and so you know that leads to him potentially being baited at times. Uh, Pat yeah. Peterson is where is yeah. Who Pat Peterson's one. That's not is the one. That's Pat Peterson did. Patrick Peterson did say that, but there's someone else as well who said something similar. Yeah, Taylor uh, Lewin brought up. He said he was um, just like not the guy or something, not it, right? Yeah, he says somebody on the 49ers is telling him that they don't. They think Brock's going to throw a lot of interceptions and he's not the guy. You know, obviously, I think Taylor's probably not lying about it, um, but who knows how much that means? But there's somebody else. I'm missing it. I'll figure it out and I'll. uh, I will. I'll get back to you guys and let you know. But somebody did say that they know how to bait Brock Purdy into throwing interceptions. And so we'll see, man. They got to make adjustments. I do put a lot of this on Kyle Shanahan. He's been very vanilla, very CMC dependent, very CMC dominant. I feel like they need to just switch it up. One thing I did like, though, they put the split backs in the backfield with Elijah Mitchell and CMC last game. Although I don't think Elijah Mitchell is the guy that I want back there. I'd rather see Jordan Mason back there. Uh, with CMC, I've been calling that for a long time. What did you think of that uh, offensive set when they had two backs in the backfield? I think I like it, and I think Kyle Shanahan, that's another thing where, you know, um, you, you you get to experiment with that. I think he does like uh, Elijah Mitchell in the two-back set a little more because it provides him some versatility because I think Mitchell is a bit of a better pass catcher, at least to Kyle Shanahan's eyes, he's a bit of a better pass catcher. And so it allows you to be uh, variable or variant in the concepts that you use with both players. I think I'd want to see more of that. And I mean, that's the set you usually see CMC and Debo with, um, Mm -hmm. but instead you're having two different running backs, which provides you a little bit of a different, different flair to that. I want to see that continued. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Especially with Debo back there, man. Debo CMC in the backfield. That's good because it does seem like uh, they're run opposite all the time. And, you know, maybe that's, me just tripping. But when I watch the game with my kids, I'm literally like, okay, run to the left, run to the right. And it's usually the opposite, right? If CMC's in the backfield on Brock Purdy's right, they're running to the left and vice versa. And if I can predict that at home in front of my kids, <coughs> I'm sure defenses can uh, as well. So that's a bit concerning, something I hope they uh, that they fix. I want to get diving a little deeper, though, with this uh, Chase Young news. That's the biggest news. The topic of the show is, are the 49ers rejuvenated with the addition of Chase Young? You guys said no, basically started talking about the run game. But let's talk about just the defense. What difference can Chase Young make for this defense, if any? I think uh, the def- like the impact that he can make is pretty fair. I, I think it's pretty, pretty good. When, you, when, I, when I, What do I mean by that? First of all, Chase Young, what he provides for the 49ers is another guy who has the potential to be a three-down player. He was a solid run defender prior to his injury. I think he's getting back to that, but I think he can be a good run defender in San Francisco. That provides you a good option opposite of Nick Bosa. And the 49ers have been searching for, as a pass rusher, 49ers have been searching for that speed threat since D Ford. 
It's been since 2019 when D Ford was chronically injured that the 49ers have been searching for that guy, and they haven't found that guy yet. You found different good pass rushers, Charles Omenihu, Arden Key, players like that, but you haven't found that, you know, that D Ford replacement. Chase Young has the potential to be that guy. He's the guy with good speed. He's the guy who you can um, involve more with Nick Bosa. But the part that I really like the most about this move is because I think it allows you to re bring back the package where you can have premier pass rushers purely on the field. Randy Gregory, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Ark Armstead. It's that NASCAR package where you can put one of those defensive ends on the inside, potentially Randy Gregory or Nick Bosa, even potentially Chase Young. You have the way where you can fill your defensive line with pass rushers and still not lose too much on the run uh, on the run side. I think that that's the perfect way that you can implement certain packages for the 49ers and instill some more creativity. More importantly, I think adding Chase Young to the mix and doing some stuff like that makes Steve Wilkes' job easier. You know, when we talk about complexity with the way that he's involving his pass rushing schemes, right now you can just, with, with Chase Young in the fold, you don't need to be as complex. You rush four, you have a guy who you believe can win on the opposite of Nick Bosa to where when Nick Bosa gets double teamed and going through things like that, have a guy who you believe who can win on the other side. A solid pass rush win rate this year, I think it's around 18%, the highest of his career. So you have options. I think this this move is good because it helps you potentially in the run front um, and potentially with another three-down player, which get, provides more uh, to your defense in terms of the looks that you can run, whereas you may not be able to run them with a guy like Cleo Farrell. So I think this this is a good move. I think Drake Jackson probably doesn't play as much now. Cleo Farrell's snaps probably take a little bit of a hit, but 49ers trying to upgrade, and they upgraded at defensive line. Yeah, I think on paper, man, they have the best pass rushers in the NFL. Is there another team that you would say is better than than the 49ers as far as on paper pass rushers? I don't know about depth. Yeah, I think the 49ers right now, they got good depth for sure. Yeah, I think they on paper, they have the best pass rushers. We'll see how it, how it works out. It's weird that the 49ers right now are number one in pressures, I think, but number 20 in actual sacks. <laughs> so the number one in pressures and 20 in sacks, like how does that work out? How, why is that? I think in my opinion, it's, it has to do with coverage, right? Like they're either playing too soft zone coverage or they're playing man and they're not doing a good job at it and they're leaving guys open. So, you know, we're getting to the quarterback. We're just not able to wrap them up and bring them down. Now I will say though, that Nick Bosa probably has three sacks that he left on the board that he should have that are just missed tackles. I don't, I don't know how Nick Bosa is missing so many tackles, but he had three opportunities to uh, add sacks to his resume. I do think that Chase Young is going to help. I mean, he's he's a talented guy, man. He's fifth and he has five sacks right now, um, which would be the number one on the 49ers. The, I think Nick Bosa has three. Um, Jake Jackson has three. Uh, Javon Hargrave has three. But uh chase young has five so he leads the 49ers in sacks as far as like his season right now he's got to make some kind of difference do you think this is the spark the 49ers need this is why i said are they rejuvenated because last year they at the trade deadline they went and got cmc and that kind of changed everything for him gave him that spark rejuvenated the team and they went on a run do you think this is the kind of move that'll do that for them this year i'll say yes and no um to me when you look at that Christian McCaffrey move, I thought it filled a major need. The 49ers run game sucked coming up into that week eight time. I mean, you could look at statistics, maybe yards per carry and maybe be, be you know, it, the numbers might be a little misleading, but 
in terms of DVOA, they were in bottom 10 in the run game, and they were just not getting efficiency from Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, in terms of the run game. It was not allowing them to run a part of their scheme, and Christian McCaffrey ultimately changed a lot of things the 49ers could do. That was a pure, uh, you know, a pure upgrade and a move that changed the 49ers' uh, offense. This move defensively, I don't know if it go it's going to have the same impact just because when I look at Chase Young, it's a good player, but the 49ers defensive line wasn't the biggest need, I think. I mean, you talk about the biggest need at, uh, at, the, uh, at the deadline, it was corner. I just didn't think they were going to make a move just because the corner price is extremely high. They were in on Rasul Douglas. He went for a third and a fifth round pick. That is expensive for a 31-year-old corner like Rasul Douglas. He's a good player, but that was expensive. Cornerback prices were high. Johnson wasn't going to go for a first round pick if it was going to be with from the 40 for the 49ers and things like that. And so that's where I'd say I think it's a good addition. But the more important part is what I was talking about pre-deadline. I don't think the 49ers, their problems weren't with personnel. Their problems weren't with talent. Their problems were more so with execution because they had a like we talked about earlier they had a lot of missed tackles 13 against this last in this last game and also just the the inability sometimes to get the quarterback down i thought that was a, that was okay in this last game he had three sacks but it's execution and then it's also scheme i think scheme needs uh improvements and that's where steve wilkes right now is a big part of the problem is you're trying to you know figure your uh, figure out your players you're trying to learn the defense and you're trying to put your players in the best situation I think that those are the two bigger issues, not the talent. And so I think Chase Young adds something and maybe makes the job easier, but I still think those problems need to be figured out. I think they will, but I think they, there's, there needs to be some apparent solution for those problems. Yeah, I actually reported last week that um, there's going to be some changes uh, during the bye week when regards to uh, Steve Wilkes. And I'm wondering what that's going to be because that's what I was reported by a source told me that. So We'll see. I don't know if it's, you know, if they're going to fire the guy. I don't think that's actually what's going to happen, but there's going to be some kind of changes is what was reported to me. What do you think if there are changes? What do you think those changes would be, Rohan? Like what what do you think of the convert is there a convert is it a conversation a conversation is it a scolding is it a restructure of who calls plays? Does he come down to the sideline like do you think there's going to be changes and if so what are they? Yeah, I think uh if you talk about changes I'm going to point to two things. One, a reevaluation of what's working and what's not at, at during the bye week with Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes. I think they're going to look through, go back at the old defensive scheme, see what worked best, and then try and find ways to implement that and also see what isn't working. You might see a change in the way they blitz. You might see a change in the amount of times they blitz. You might see a change in maybe the amount of times they use the press man scheme that Steve Wilkes has gone, maybe look to use more cover three like D'Amico Ryan's used last year uh, and things like that. And I'm not saying they're going to make massive, massive changes that they already haven't looked to implement in practice. I think that it just might be slight alterations. But the second thing and the thing I'm most curious about, I think if they could make a change, I don't know if bringing Steve Wilkes down from the booth is the right idea. I'm not a big fan of that, and a lot of people think it'll re-energize the defense. I don't think Steve Wilkes is that type of leader. I think he's a leader. Uh, you know, he's more of a regular, traditional leader in in a different sense. And so, I don't think that's the reason they do it. I think if they move Steve Wilkes down from the booth, where he has said he's more comfortable, it would be 
to help Kyle Shanahan out because I think Kyle Shanahan could have more input on defensive play calls and de- just the defense in general. I think this might mean you might put a little more on Kyle Shanahan's plate, which might be good or bad because Kyle Shanahan already has a good input into the defense. He helps with the defense halftime adjustments. He's in defensive meetings during the week and things like that, but you're putting even more on his plate potentially. That might be the different solution. I don't know if they pull him from the box, but I would be curious to see how Kyle Shanahan's input involves uh, or increases or not with the defense coming out of the bye week. Yeah, I think they're going to sit down and talk and figure out, like you said, they're going to figure out what's working and what's not and kind of go back to what was working last year and the previous years with this 49ers defense. They've been a top five defense for years, uh, so there's no reason why they shouldn't be moving forward. And honestly, they started off pretty damn good uh, in the beginning of the season. It's just been these last couple games where they've had hiccups. Uh, I think they work it out. I think they kind of just refocus. One thing that I think needs to happen, though, is, again, like what I reported, I I don't think the 49ers players on defense are really bought in on Wilkes. And I don't know what it is, if it's a personality thing. I I don't understand what that is. But I think that's going to be one of the most important parts of this. They have to believe in what Steve Wilkes is calling. If they don't, you're going to see that translate on the field. We'll see, but I think you're right. They're going to go back more to just rushing four. There's no reason you need to rush more than four with this defensive line. I mean, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and now Chase Young. I mean, if you can't get to the quarterback with those four, you're going to have problems, right? You should be able to get to the quarterback with those four guys, drop everyone else back into some type of coverage, and just dominate. That's the really good defensive line on paper. So I'm expecting that to happen. Coming out of this bye week, man, we're going to play the Jaguars. And I think we're going to talk next week again before the actual game. But early just view of it, how do you see the 49ers taking on the Jaguars? Yeah, I think the Jaguars are another tough opponent. When I was looking back when the 49ers were 5-0, and I was thinking the best um, quarterback the 49ers may face at that stage would be Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if my opinion has changed necessarily. I think Joe Burrow obviously has, uh, you know, gotten back to his old form recently. Um, I think that, so he was good, but Trevor Lawrence is another good quarterback and the Jaguars are rolling right now. Um, what are they? Six and two, which is among the top of the AFC. And I mean, if you talk about their opponents, they haven't necessarily played. Well, they've played a couple of tough ones. They they lost to the Chiefs early on. They did beat the Bills. I think that that's their biggest win to date. And they're, they're a team that has found a way to win some grimy games. You look at some of the closer ones that they've played. They've beaten the Bills 25-20. They beat um, you know the Saints uh, 31-24. They've won uh, to the Steelers 20 to 10, you know, I think that that that's a good team out there. And they're a team that, you know, is going to rely on certain young players that they're another team with some really solid wide receivers. You have Ridley Christian Kirk, you have Zay Jones. So you got three good, a good weapons. there. a team that just revamped their offensive line with Ezra Cleveland. Um, I think that's a good, good team out there in Jacksonville. And another challenge, it's a tough one coming out of the bye week, especially because you're going on the road to face Jacksonville. And so the 49ers, I think they're going to have to, you know, figure out a way to make some, uh, make certain changes because right now they're coming off the bye week. Jaguars are coming off the bye week. And right now their defense is going to definitely have to improve to face Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and the Jags have the, are on the hottest win streak in the NFL right now. I believe it's five games, five wins in a row. Yeah. Uh, and whereas the Niners are sliding down the other way. I mean, they got to get it this game. I mean, if they don't win this game against the Jaguars, that's going to be tough, man. It's really going to be tough on the morale. Like, you have the whole bye week 
and then you come out and lose again. Like that can't happen. I think Trevor Lawrence is really good, but I think uh, this 49ers defense, they need to come out firing on all cylinders and make him uncomfortable. He is a good quarterback, though, man. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this game plays out. But the 49ers got to, got to, you know, you signed Chase Young. You got the most talented defense on paper in the NFL, in my opinion. You got to come out and just bounce back hard against uh, this Jacksonville Jaguar team and, and go on a run here. I think that's extremely important for morale for this 49ers team. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, how this game plays out. If you had a you know crystal ball, how, how do you see the 49ers finishing final record right now? I'm I'm still pretty confident, I think, in the 49ers. I mean, we know they've been a second-half team in the past, and the big part is I think these issues that they have are fixable, not only defensively but also offensively. I probably would have the 49ers. They currently stand at 5-3. and three. I would probably have them at 11-6, and six, just like I did to begin the season. I think they end at 11-6 and six this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think 11 and six, I had them 10 and seven before the season. I think a 10 and seven, 11 and six is actually how it's going to work out. That was my prediction for the season was 10 and seven. Everyone thought I was just a giant hater, but I think it's pretty realistic and, and pretty yeah. accurate. So I think 10 and six, um, or excuse me, 10 and seven, 11 and six is probably how it's going to work out. Jim Everett. I wanted to address you, brother, man. We like having you here because you're a Rams fan. It's cool to have fans from other teams join and get in the chat, but you clowns are finished is not a very productive statement, dude. If you're going to be here, and I hope you are because I do enjoy you being here, don't just come in here and just insult people, man. Give us some kind of perspective. Give us, tell us, tell us why you think we're going to be finished outside of you guys are clowns. Not very intelligent comment. I expect better from you, sir. Rohan, what do you got going on in your channel, man? Plug the channel so everybody knows where to find you. Yeah, I think uh, we might have a show Friday. We'll see. Um, show tomorrow. But apart from that, I mean, it's been a fun week. Had a Vish on yesterday, had one with Ashley earlier on Monday, and then this one. So we're going to see. But overall, I mean, this show was a fun one as always. I love coming on on Thursday mornings, you know, talking shop. And the three, three-way three today with Rob was a, was another good one. 49ers, I mean, they, they definitely give us a lot to talk about. And so even through the bye week, it seems like we're going to stay energized and we're going to stay, you know, content heavy. So appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah. Make sure you guys go ahead and check my channel uh, name. You just search up my name on YouTube or on Twitter and you'll find it there. Yeah, make sure you guys all like this video for me. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. Uh, and hit subscribe. If you're not subscribed, I'm trying to get to 6K. I'm almost there. I think I got like 140-ish, something like that to get to 6K. When I get to 6K, I'm giving away another 49ers jersey. So please hit that like button. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, what else? Oh, tomorrow I'm going to have a two-headed monster again with Vish and the coach. So the Vish and the coach, we're going to be on a little early tomorrow because I had to make it work with their schedules. Typically, on, we're on at 9 a.m. weekdays, PDT. Tomorrow we're going to be on 8 a.m. PDT. So if you're driving into work, uh, tune in. Tomorrow we're going to have the coach and Vish. Really looking forward to that. Uh, you guys are the best, man. I appreciate you. We're, we're moving and grooving here. Niners going to be all right. Thank you very much for being here. I will see you guys tomorrow, 8 a.m. PDT. Thank you, Ron.